I want to start with, a, uh, with reading some scripture. Proverbs chapter 2. Would you please open Proverbs chapter 2? I want to start out with uh, a reading of God's Word. And if you don't mind, would you please stand as we respect and, uh, and listen carefully and reflect on Proverbs chapter 2. I love that last song that we did, How Great Is Our God, where that song reflects on how awesome He is in His nature and His creation and that we really have no, no choice but to stand in awe of, of Him and um, to try to be a part of that treasure of His knowledge and His wisdom. That's what Proverbs 2 is going to encourage us to do. So Proverbs chapter 2, starting in verse 1. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, and if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. That's something I'm going to speak about, the knowledge of God, how significant and important that is, and that we seek that knowledge, that we don't depend on our own knowledge, kind of like what Tim was talking about, not depending on ourselves. For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He holds victory in store for the upright. He is a shield to those whose walk is blameless, for he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. Then you will understand what is right and just and fair, every good path, for wisdom will enter your heart. Time out. Something else I'm going to talk about is how God is working intimately inside of every individual uh, in, in his human race. It's not just an, an external acknowledgement of God, singing to him, performing programs and rituals through a church. It is a spiritual transaction inside to the gift of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to be talking about that. So for wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will protect you and understanding will guard you. Wisdom will save you from the ways of wicked men, from men whose words are perverse, who leave the straight paths to walk in dark ways, who delight in doing wrong and rejoice in the perverseness of evil, whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. And boy, do we get a lot of that type of influence in our culture and in our country today. I think we need to be very mindful of these types of things that contradict the wisdom and understanding of God as we prepare ourselves to function for His purpose in this world. Verse 16, It will save you also from the adulteress, from the wayward wife with her seductive words, who has left the partner of her youth and ignored the covenant she made before God. For her house leads down to death and her paths to the spirits of the dead. None who go to her return or attain the paths of life. Thus you will walk in the ways of good men and keep to the paths of the righteous. For the upright will live in the land and the blameless will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land and the unfruitful will be torn from it. And may God be honored through the reading of his word. You may have a seat. Thank you. I just want to get that in your, a little, in your mind. Get a little flavor. Get a little taste of God's word ruminating in there. Um, it's really good to be back and see some of my friends and family again. Hi, Mindy and Chris and boys. Hi, Owen and Luke. Haven't seen you guys in a while. I've been spending a lot of time in Indianapolis every week, and then I come home on weekends, then I'm back to Indianapolis again. We're rebuilding a pharmacy out there for Express Scripts, the company I work for, and it has kind of distanced me from my ministry here for a short season, but I'm, I'm expecting that, hoping for that to start fading come September, and back in, in October, maybe Bill will let me teach and preach some more. I don't, I don't know. I'm, try, I'm trying to get, get connections in there. <laughs> but um, on my way home from Indianapolis, see, I, I rent a car up here at Enterprise, so I drive to Indianapolis on Sunday nights or Mondays, and then I drive home on the weekends. And one weekend, I was driving home on a Friday night, and I met the girls at Powhatan. Powhatan is a, kind of one of our favorite places to eat, all right? The, they got the fish on Friday night. I like that, yeah. It, it's actually all you can eat, but I just order the regular plate because I can't eat all of it anyway. But anyway, aside from that, I had my rental car, and I, I stopped at Powhatan to meet the girls to eat, okay? Well, we ate, and I kind of fell into that. I just I felt at home. I'm like, okay, my mind, my state of mind, perspective, my perspective kind of shifted, and I felt back into my normal routine. We ate, 
had a good time. We came out of Powhatan, and I looked around. I'm like, where'd Lisa go? She, she'd already taken off in the car. I'm like, she, she left me. What, what's the deal, man? So I, Kaylee had driven her car, so I got in the car with Kaylee. Kaylee and I were looking at each other like, Kaylee's like, I got stuff to do. Why did she leave? I don't know. So we got in the car. We're getting out ready to get on the interstate. We called Lisa. What are you doing? Rick, your rental car's at, at the parking lot. I'm like, oh, I forgot, man. My whole, for about 10 minutes there, I was in a, I was in a wholly different, whole different frame of mind. And my rental car, my Transpo home, was sitting right there. And, and I just, I didn't see it, okay? My eyes, my physical eyes could have seen it, but my mind prevented me from realizing and seeing that, okay? Uh, how about like on elevators at, at the hotels? When I go up the elevators, uh, I'll get in like on the, uh, the second floor. Somebody's already got on on a floor, like fourth floor, and they're going down to the lobby. You can tell they're, it's in the morning, they're busy, got their suitcase ready to go, and I get on the, and it stops on the second floor to pick me up, all right? They walk out thinking it's the lobby, da, 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 da. and I get in, and I'm like, <laughs> door closes, and I see him turn around. Oops, got off on the wrong floor. Again, you know, our, our human minds, our carnal nature, our, the limits of our mind fool us many times and prevent us from seeing the truth, seeing the realities that lie out there within us, okay? It happens all the time. I'm sure you could think of a lot of examples yourself. Um, so, but the Holy Spirit is like that rental car in my, in, my, um, in my story because the Holy Spirit is a gift that God has given of himself, a person who uh, is sent to enlighten us and guide us. And there's so many times... Uh, it seems that folks, they, they're not connected to the Holy Spirit. Uh, they're a little intimidated by the idea of some non-corporeal type of entity, some reality out there that, that I can't really get my mind around. Is he real or not? I don't feel him, that kind of thing. Um, but like that rental car, it is there. It is a reality. But I think a lot of times our perception, our knowledge, our understanding of the Holy Spirit prevents us from really seeing and engaging with and using Him as the resource that God intended Him to be. Instead, we get, we, we're looking for, where, where's my car? I don't, I don't see. Where'd she go? I'm, I'm lost. No, you're not. No, the Holy Spirit is right there. You just got to see it. So can we go to the first screen, um, Ruth, please? Let's back up one. Okay. So before we get into the topic of Holy Spirit, I wanted to share, I got to thinking to myself, you know, what are some of the things that really interfere with or get in the way of us understanding and realizing the Holy Spirit? Um, because my goal here today is not just to give a sermon. It, it's not just to teach theology and give you good verses in the Bible to memorize. What I'm hoping is that I, God is going to give me the ability through His Holy Spirit right now to help you comprehend, to apprehend, and, and to, to engage with the Holy Spirit in the powerful way that God intends to. Um, some of the things that kind of interfere with that process as human beings, as carnal human beings, the press of seculars, secularism, I think, causes us to uh, dismiss the reality of the car in the parking lot, Okay. Um, secularism is imposed by us all around in the news media, uh, at schools, in our education system, uh, even in the corporate world. Uh, it, there's just a lot of secular concepts, a lot of secular theories uh, and uh, ideals floating around there that are imposed on us by which we tend to function. And I think that snuffs out many times the reality of the Holy Spirit, which is also present. Mysticism of a charismatic movement. There are some cults, there are sects, there are even some denominations out there that I think um, treat Holy Spirit uh, a bit fanatical, and it, that intimidates us. We don't want to be considered a fanatic. We don't want to be considered out of our mind or some loose cannon. Uh, most of us want to be respected in, as an individual, um, 
and we see some of these charismatic movements that display certain behaviors and things that were like, that just that doesn't make sense to me. I, I don't want to be a part of that. Obsession with psychology over spiritual matters. Um, I think we tend to seek control over our, our thinking, control over our relationships and things using psychological techniques, uh, therapists and counselors and that kind of thing. Nothing wrong with those uh, if they're used in the right context with, in the reality of Holy Spirit. But I think there's a bit of an obsession with focusing too much on some of those more carnal techniques and things through psychology instead of really trusting in the reality of Holy Spirit. And over-dependence on experience and sensation, emotions and feelings. I, I think there's some out there, and I'm, I'm myself. When I got baptized the first time back in 1988, I was going through some health issues, and I was afraid. Um, I had abused myself for many years. I had a dr- uh, was involved in drugs, uh, a lot of crystal methamphetamines, cocaine, Tried to live the rock and roll lifestyle and be a rock star when I really wasn't. I was just a punk kid trying to impress everybody, okay? And um, I, I messed the chemistry up in my body pretty bad. Um, and I got to a point where I was afraid. So uh, my family, uh, some of my family had been going to church, were involved in the church. So I'm like, well, I tell you what, I'll do this baptism thing and then I'll be in and then, then I'll just keep on... That way I can keep doing my thing over here. But just in case, I got God in my back pocket. I'm going to heaven just in case, okay? That's what I was thinking. Again, wrong thinking. <laughs> um, but uh, when I got baptized the first time, I was thinking I was going to experience something. Bells and whistles were going to go off. I would experience some euphoric experience. When I was dunked under the water and come back out, I thought, man, the Holy Spirit's going to grab a hold of me. I'm going to think something new. I'm going to feel something. I'm going to experience something. And I didn't, okay? I just got dunked in the water, came back out. I'm like, man, where's the, where's the lights? Where's the fireworks at, you know? And I, I think if we have those misconceptions about how Holy Spirit and God works, it will kind of diffuse uh, uh, our, our expectations and uh, our ability to really engage with how the Holy Spirit works, uh, demanding to experience supernatural phenomenon. Kind of kind of goes with what I said before. Not only through a baptism experience, maybe you go to a conference. And maybe you go to, what, what was the men's conferences that were real popular for a while? The uh, Promise Keepers. Great, great conferences. Guys would go there, get all pumped up, and, and experience this euphoric experience with all these men and things. And then come home and kind of get back into the regular grind of things, and that would kind of deflate. Um, so... Yes, the experience was good, but what value did it serve if it didn't adjust you into a better position to serve from that point forward in, in, in our process of sanctification that we're in? Worldliness. Uh, I mean, we live in the world, okay? It's going to rub off on us. What has Christ said about living in the world but not being of it? I think we're, too many times we become of the world instead of being aliens of God's kingdom in it. Pragmatism. Pragmatism is, is focusing on, uh, or let me see, let me read that so I get it right here. It's to assess the truth of a theory or belief in terms of the success of it in practical application. We want things that's going to apply us to us practically. If it's not going to benefit me here in the flesh, in my everyday life, then what value is it, okay? Uh, I've heard some people over the years come to church, say, I come, I come to church to get fed. If I don't get fed, then I'm going to go to another church. I'm, I'm just not being replenished. It's like, what are you expecting, okay? You're expecting a practical application. You're, you're expecting something practical to happen when we're worshiping and associating with a spiritual, non-corporeal, supernatural being, okay, who does not always manifest himself or associate with ourselves through phenomenon. Sometimes he does. God can do anything he, he wants to. Sometimes it happens, but not always. And if you have that expectation, you're going to defeat yourself. Fanatical extre- extremes. We kind of talked about that with the uh, mysticism of charismatic movements. Uh, emphasis of Christ-centeredness shadows Holy Spirit. Something we do here on the leadership team is we really emphasize Christ-centeredness. So does the Scripture. It's all throughout the Scripture. That's critical, okay? 
Uh, but I think sometimes it's emphasized so much, and we think about Christ, and we have Christmas about Christ, we have Easter about Christ. Uh, uh, sometimes it overshadows the role and significance of the Holy Spirit uh, in His workings inside of us, okay? Not saying anything's wrong with Christ-centeredness and focusing on that. That's all, man, that's good stuff. But I, I don't think we can do it at the expense of dismissing the valuable role of Holy Spirit. Another challenge is it's just difficult to apprehend or comprehend an incorporeal reality. For us as human beings who use the human language to try to, to communicate uh, uh, concrete or tangible ideas in our mind, uh, to think about some abstract spiritual person being with the characteristics of a person, to, to, to apprehend that, it's tough. And it's hard to explain. I, I hope I can do it justice here as we get into it. Uh, and then the inadequacy of human language to define it. I, it's just really hard. Uh, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to do it, do it justice here. Now, like in Proverbs chapter 2, what we, uh, what we read, the key first to, get, to coming in contact with the real God, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus Christ and the role they play uh, especially this dynamic, this agent, Holy Spirit, is understanding, knowledge, wisdom. And what did Proverbs chapter 2 indicate to us was the key to acquiring that knowledge and that wisdom. Let me read it to you again. Turn your ear to wisdom, applying your heart to understanding. If you call out for insight, cry aloud for understanding, Look for it as for silver. Search for it as for hidden treasure. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and, the fi and find the knowledge of God. So first thing is, you have to want to, okay? If you don't want to, that's like um, when I was coach basketball. The, the, the girls, as my girls were coming, I would coach basketball. And uh, some of the girls just did not get the idea that that ball was valuable. We'd be playing the game, and there would be a loose ball, and they'd just, eh, just look at it. like, Guys, man, that's treasure. We want that ball. We want possession. That's part of the game. Get after it. For some reason, they just didn't want to. They didn't want to get after it. And unfortunately, it put us in a disadvantage of winning the game. Okay, well, in this game, in, the, in a similar way, is that knowledge, that wisdom... Like Tim said, that doesn't exist in us from birth as carnal, cursed human beings. That is not there. That is not our nature, okay? It has to be uh, incorporated into us through God, that transaction, that spiritual transaction. That has to happen. Um, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, I want to refer to you there. Verse 3, His, that's God's, defined power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through what? Our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Okay? Our knowledge of Him, is, it's, it's like fertilizer on the mind where these spiritual realities can take seed and grow and establish themselves in us. Okay? Okay, so let's talk about uh, who, is, who is Holy Spirit, particularly in contrast to God the Father, Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit, and us people today. Now, this is, this is a comparison to us people in this administration, the Grace Administration. And I want to talk about that one more time to give you context of where we're at in this course of redemption that God is, is involved in from the sin of Adam and Eve to the new heaven and new earth in Revelation chapter 22. But God is not a man. Jesus Christ is glorified man. Holy Spirit is not a man. People, today we are natural man in, in this administration. In the future, we will also be glorified to a, a being like Christ. Scripture talks about that we are in this process here through the guide, Holy Spirit, are being made Christ-like, okay? We are being fashioned through sanctification process into Christ-likeness. But when Christ comes again, before the new heaven and new earth, we will be refashioned into a being like Christ, glorified man, okay? 
God is non-material. So is Christ. So is Holy Spirit. They are beyond nature. They are supernatural. Okay? We are material. We are natural. We're part of the natural world. Our flesh is made of the dust of the ground. God breathes soul life into us uh, through the blood. Uh, The blood in our veins is what gives us our soul life. It gives us vitality. It gives us self-awareness. It gives us the ability to breathe and function as 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 a being. God, from our perspective, is the Father. Jesus Christ is our brother. God is also Jesus Christ's Father. Holy Spirit is our counselor. He's our guide. Holy Spirit is intended to be that presence on this earth in the place of Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ was resurrected, he was ascended. Now, Holy Spirit was sent to be our counselor. Okay? We, ourselves, we're either adopted children, if we are um, believers, or we, were, we are orphaned children. If we're not believers, we are not God's children. We were not a part of God's family. God is infinite. He's eternal. So is Jesus Christ. So is Holy Spirit. We are not. We are finite. We have a soul which will be refashioned into an eternal one without blood, without dependence on blood. Spirit is eternal. Everybody's a person. God is a person. Holy Spirit is a person. Jesus Christ is a person. We are persons. We have personalities. God's word, will, truth, and intents are followed by and through Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit, and people. Jesus Christ does what the Father wills and says, but with a full divine nature. Holy Spirit does what the Father wills and says with a full divine nature. We, as believers, we're sanctified. We participate in that divine nature, but we're not divine ourselves. We're given the privilege of participating in it. That's a huge privilege, an opportunity to be empowered, uh, to participate in the divine nature, to have power over the sinful nature. Holy Spirit is an agent that administers that power to us, okay, as uh, natural beings. Non-believers are, are, as Tim said in Romans chapter 7, alludes to, as non-believers, you are a victim uh, only of your sinful nature alone. You have no, uh, no influence of the, of the true life that God intended for his creation through Holy Spirit. That's why you say our, a man's spirit is dead. It's not contributing to his life. So I hope that that um, distinguishes a little bit helps clarify where does Holy Spirit fit in to, to this idea of Trinity uh, and us people today, okay? Now this, I don't, want, don't get overwhelmed by this. I, I just want to use this to give you, again, another reminder. I go through this about every time that I teach because this establishes a basis for the entire plan of God through the entire scripture. You've got eight administrations. From the first earth before man, when the earth was null and void, it became null and void. It existed, it became null and void. Then God created. He made Adam and Eve, paradise upon the earth. Then they sinned and they were cast out. Then in later in Genesis, God made a covenant with Abraham to restore mankind back to himself through that covenant which still lasts today and of which we are now a part of. Moses was a part of that path where Moses, uh, God uh, established his nation of Israel, brought them out of, the, the, out of bondage in Egypt, gave them the law, the Ten Commandments, the law. The law was established under Moses, and the feasts were given. What I'm showing down here are the feasts of the Jewish nation. The Jewish nation, the, the people of Israel, established these feasts as a timeline, to, to, as symbols of, of, uh, of, of events, of administration events that's going to happen through time. Passover, first fruits, and Pentecost has already happened. Pentecost is the celebration that in Acts chapter 2, at that celebration in Israel, is when the Holy Spirit, the grace administration, started. Okay? I'm sorry, I skipped an administration. From the law, the feasts were given to outline. Christ on earth was the next administration. Jesus Christ came here. He was born Christmas. We celebrate that on Christmas, right? He's born uh, a man, but fully God. And then the grace administration happened at Pentecost. uh, At 
the uh, temple in Jerusalem. And that's where the, whole, the gift of Holy Spirit was given. Remember in Acts chapter 2, there was a group of guys that all of a sudden start, started speaking in different tongues. It looked like fire landed on their head. It, it appeared like fire on their head, and they began speaking in different tongues. The Holy Spirit at that moment was given to, 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 to be placed into man at that point, those who believe. And then the appearing, Jesus Christ, at the rapture, and that, that corresponds to the trumpet's New Year feast. I'm not going to get into the feast, just throwing you some names. I don't have enough time. But G, the appearing of Jesus Christ coming up in the rapture is associated, symbolized by the trumpet's New Year uh, and Days of Atonement. I'm sorry, the trumpet's New Year feast. Days of Atonement represent, represents the seven years of tribulation after Christ comes back. And then the tabernacle's Feast of Booths represents the thousand years that Christ is going to reign on the earth before the new heaven and new earth occurs in Revelation chapter 1, 21 and 22, where we will now be face-to-face with God the Father. God the Father will be face-to-face with us all, okay? That'd be a great study for family groups sometime. It would take a couple months to get through all that. It'd be awesome. Um... Okay, so what, with all that, okay, with all that stuff, God, what's God doing? What is he doing? He's putting, he intends to put his law in our minds. If you'll look at Jeremiah, open your Bibles, Jeremiah chapter 31 through 32 and 34. Jeremiah chapter 31. Verse uh, 32 through 34. Jeremiah 31, 32 through 34. Jeremiah, this was written in about uh, 627 to 586 B.C. before the Babylonian Empire took over the nation of Israel and enslaved them and took them back to Babylon. Okay? That's when this book was written. The actual... Um, Babylonian invasion occurred about 568 B.C., a little after Jeremiah's writing. But Jeremiah warned about this impending judgment of being taken captive by Babylonia, but Israel didn't listen. Jeremiah was trying to warn them. Something else Jeremiah prophesied and he indicated for the future was in verse 32... uh, It says, It will not... I'll give you context in just a second. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. That is what God is up to through every instance of the entire scriptures from, from the covenant, the laws, uh, Jesus Christ, the Pentecost, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the grace administration, um, even the, the rapture, the, 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 hundred, the thousand years reign, even to, into a new heaven, a new earth. He's, le- he's leading us to the point where we are going to eventually have, have a full capacity realization of God face to face. But everything he does is to put his law in our minds instead of on paper and trying to follow it using the natural man, which we fail at. He's going to write it on our, on our minds. Um, he's going to write his law, his word on our hearts because he wants to be our God and he wants us to be his people. And there's some scripture references. Hebrews 8.10 and 10.16 simply refer back to Jeremiah 31, 32 through 34. Because he's going to establish, you know, he established the covenant with Abraham to make his promise. Israel broke that covenant. Through Jesus Christ, established a new covenant, a new agreement that trumped the old one. It was better. Now we're in that new covenant, just like Jeremiah said. And God is in the process of writing his law on our minds Given us a new heart. How? Through the agent of Holy Spirit. 
That's how he's doing it. That's the agent that is work in the Grace Administration right now. Okay? And we are privileged to have it. Okay, what is the purpose? We already talked about some of the purposes of Holy Spirit. What's Holy Spirit up to specifically? We know, we know about Jesus Christ. We know God the Father. Uh, we know kind of know who we are now, where we're going to be. Let's focus on Holy Spirit now. What is, what is the role or purpose of this agent, uh, Holy Spirit, in working inside of us? One is to, uh, to guide us into deeper things of God himself. Uh, if we go to 1 Corinthians, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and I want you to go to verse 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. says, the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. We're talking about the Holy Spirit here. The Holy Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? Okay? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. Pause. At the Pentecost, when we receive, when we believe, we receive the Holy Spirit. Lambano, actively. It, it is, Lambano is a Greek term referring to active, proactive engagement, reception of Holy Spirit. Okay, we receive that Holy Spirit uh, in that transaction. That's what he's talking about taking place here. He says, we've not received a spirit from the world, not the evil one, not some other spirit that exists but the Spirit that's from God, Holy Spirit. That we may understand what God has freely given us. There we go again. Understanding, knowledge. What Proverbs chapter 2 say? Probably the first key is you got to want to. If you want to and you search like, like, like it for treasure, like treasure, then the, one of the first things you're going to realize is the fear of Almighty God, the sovereign power of God. Just like we sang in that song, How Great Is Our God, How Awesome Is He. You'll start realizing that. You'll start uh, respecting that, not only in, in your thinking, but how you posture yourself in this life, how you set your priorities, really how you treat yourself. So this is, this is verse 13. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual man makes judgments about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment, only God's judgment. So the Holy Spirit receives those deep things of God, and he will guide us into those deeper things if we want to. If we search for it like treasure, if we realize the fear of the Lord, the fear of God, who He really is, then we will begin receiving that type of, of illumination. Holy Spirit is trying to refine us to make us holy. In this, in this administration, grace administration, we're natural man, will never be perfectly holy. Just like uh, Romans chapter 7, uh, we're always going to contend with that sinful nature, which is still a part of us. But in Romans chapter 8, God has given us the privilege to participate in the life of the Spirit to weaken or to give us power over that sinful nature, to live life more abundantly. But in the future, um, we will be holy like Christ when we're refashioned into the new soul life and into the new being. Holy Spirit is to help illuminate God's Word, to act as an agent of God and His Word, to decrease the power and control of human temptation in the five senses realm. When I talk about the five senses realm, that is the platform that we exist in now with ears. See, ears, nose, let's see, smell. Help me, Owen and Luke. What's, what's the five senses? No, a smell, hear, taste, touch, and see, right? We, as human beings, are restricted to those five senses to interpret and perceive what's going on around us. 
We can only conjecture what, what exists beyond those five senses. And we need a truth source in order to realize what they are. This right here is an instrument that gives us vision into that truth source. The other truth source is Holy Spirit. He can help decrease the power and control of the human nature, the human temptation, the sinful nature. He can, in that process of sanctification, will decrease that. Decrease preoccupation with the world. Decrease victimization by the flesh. To increase that longing for God. To, 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 to even stir you further to search deeper, as Proverbs chapter 2 talks about. Testify concerning the Messiah. Reveal Jesus the Christ. Draw man to God through person, authority, and work of Jesus Christ. Purge, purify, cleanse our nature from the pollution of sin. It's all very, um, very profound work. As long as we don't resist. We can resist the Holy Spirit. We can grieve the Holy Spirit. We can interfere with Him. If we don't submit ourselves, our mind, our thought patterns... We don't search like treasure for that knowledge and understanding that will, will be the fertilizer in allowing Holy Spirit to work. Maybe one way to perceive what Holy Spirit is is to think about what He's not. Okay? Oh, I'm sorry. Purpose of Holy Spirit. I think I threw this in. I don't have a... Let me back up. I was thinking to myself, maybe sometimes if we have trouble think, perceiving what something is, we can get a better understanding about thinking what he is not, okay? I remember watching a program, I, I like on TV, I, I like watching those uh, documentaries where they go in the prisons, like the maximum security prisons, and they kind of show the activity in the prison, how it works, they talk to some of the inmates and that kind of stuff, it's like, ooh, it's kind of intimidating stuff, man. Um, but... But there was, I was watching one show one time where they interviewed this serial killer who explained himself into the face of the camera in very sober terms, very, uh, very surreal and emotional. And, and he described how he loved strangling his victims while he looked at them in the face because he liked, he got a rush and a thrill out of watching the life fade out of their eyeballs whenever he'd kill them. He got a rush out of it. And when, because of that thrill, just like alcohol, just like drugs, whatever, chocolate gives us rushes. I mean, there's people out there that get a thrill out of that kind of stuff to, to take the life of another human being intentionally with forethought and enjoy it. I'm sorry, guys. I, Holy Spirit is not there, okay? If you want to examine, I've tried to give you some examples of how, how Holy Spirit is there. That is a place where Holy Spirit is not. God is not in those things. I think we can see a lot of examples of activity, behavior, situations, uh, cultural patterns, things like that, where Holy Spirit and God's influence is not. And I think we can, that we can use that as a basis to appreciate and see those arenas where God is even if he doesn't manifest himself through supernatural phenomenon, the fact that people love one another uh, is how we will make known to a dying world that we're disciples of Christ. Um, I was going to get into Romans chapter 1 a little bit, but we're running out of time. Because I really want to talk about Well, a couple more th purposes of Holy Spirit. Renew in man the image of God. He's trying to make us into God's image. He enables man to yield to the obedience of God through the gift of faith. Renovate man's nature into the image of Jesus Christ. Man, lots of stuff. Man, the Holy Spirit is there to do a lot of work. Okay, so I want to end here with just... In my life, what I did is I, when I was out in Indianapolis and I had my, moment, my quiet times and um, things, I began reflecting on myself in my life through my, you know, my uh, drug addiction and the health issues that I've had over my life and how I've been able to conquer them and the way that I see life now. It's so exuberant and thrilling and, and just, just love life. I love children. I love, uh, just love it. Love being a grandpa. Love my work that I do. 
It's like, man, Rick, you're a fairy tale. Well, maybe, kind of. <laughs> but uh, so I, I started listening to some things. Um, something that I noticed personally in my life over, what, 20 years of, of the sanctification process, learning, te- digging into the Bible, that kind of thing, is vision and foresight. Um, this happens even when I'm at work, when I'm trying to tackle um, uh, secular types of issues in engineering, and I'm trying to design a machine, or I'm trying to operate with subcontractors and get them to do what I want and develop a rapport with them to get the job done. Vision and foresight allows me to look ahead and past the immediate situation and anticipate with pretty good accuracy kind of how things are going to play out. That gives me an advantage because that means I can posture myself in how I say or say things, how I treat people, how I structure things to give me an advantage to execute into the future the way it should. It's a great quality, and I appreciate it more and more as I grow. Not only vision and foresight, but insight. To be able to look at a situation and look through it and see some of the underlying causes to have a vision to, to see in the middle of a, the, the crisis of someone's life, it's like, well, here's the root cause. It, it's, it's pretty obvious why you're maybe experiencing the, the, the consequences you are, whether it's a health issue or spiritual issue, relationship issue, whatever. You, you, you can apply God's word. Holy Spirit will give you that illumination and, and helps you construct that insight to know why things are happening. Again, knowledge and understanding, which we've talked about a lot. I'm really blessed, and I I say this very, very carefully. I say this very carefully because I don't ever want to be construed as someone who's arrogant, who thinks I know everything. I I do not want that. But at the same time, I am very blessed by the knowledge that God has given me of His Word. I love God's Word. I, I, I think I see it, these things, uh, from the beginning to the end, it, it's exciting. You know, I, I've talked to some people who say, well, I read the Scripture. I really don't get much out of it. I, I just can't get meaning from it. I, I don't know what it means. It doesn't apply. It's just not relevant. I, I just don't get anything from it. And I'm like, that's a shame. Um, I, I don't know how I, you know, this is one way that I'm attempting to try to invigorate you to maybe have some of that same passion, that same exhilaration with God's Scripture that I do. I, I hope maybe I'll trigger a little bit of that today. Hopefully I, I'm not putting you to sleep or boring you to death. But Wisdom, protection. Uh, Proverbs chapter 2 talked about protection, guiding, protecting from the world. We have some elements that, that influence us. This world platform, this world system, Everything from the financial system to the education system to the government and political systems that's out there, um, the, the marketing, uh, all kinds of systems in this world that we are subject to. The evil one, that's another topic. would like to do a, a talk like this on Satan because the reality of Satan, I think a lot of people dismiss that as, as some character, some cartoon character we talk about in... Uh, in Scripture, it's kind of fun to talk about, dress up like an Halloween, but we really don't respect that spiritual entity as for who he really is. Sinful nature we've already talked about. God, I, I've noticed much less desire to engage in behaviors that were very destructive for me in the past. Thank God, I'm still here. I think I would have killed myself if I would not have changed, I'm serious. Uh, I think I'm lucky to be here. And, and my wife, Lisa, is, is uh, a huge um, influence in that process. She, is, she has been a, uh, someone who's, who's forced me away from those things in, in a, an awesome way. And uh, God replenishes vitality every day when you get up. I've learned, many of you drink some water when you first get out of bed and break that fast, breakfast. Break that fast with some water. It gets your organs started. makes you feel better. Drink a lot of water. Never used to drink water years ago. I used to go to Lisa's house. When we first started dating, they'd all sit down and have it. Everybody would pour water. And I'd like, 
man, give me some milk. What's this water stuff? I don't want water. <laughs> I didn't used to drink water. Didn't really realize or appreciate how valuable it is to our health and vitality. But over the years, it's just some knowledge. God has made an impression on me as well as Lisa, or God through Lisa. Just, just uh, not only physical vitality, but spiritual vitality, emotional vitality. Uh, looking forward to each day. Being blessed by creation. Looking at the sun or making that drive to Indianapolis. And I know it's just beans and corn, but I, can, I look at that in the context of the clouds and the sun. When I was driving home Friday night, I was driving west, and the sun was setting because I was getting home late. And the clouds were arranged in such a way that the sun was shining and making rays coming down out of the sky. And it was such a beautiful day. It was clear and dry. Man, I just, I just lay back and I kind of get lost in that. So, vitality. I think there, there's a lack of it in our world today. Uh, understanding. Understanding natural life versus pure life. The scriptures... In, in a lot of parables and, and um, explanations, distinguish between uh, two different types of life. Like Christ said, I think one time he said in the Gospels, <clears throat> if you try to save your life, you will lose it. But if you give your life up, you will save it. What's, what's, he, what's he talking about? There's more than one life, more than one type of life that we realize. We, we kind of get caught in this natural life but there's, there's more to life that God created us for. Promotes an ambition for living, a purpose, a calling. I, I know some folks who just don't want to get up in the morning. It's like, man, how sad. God, God Holy Spirit, he's he like... Now, there's days where I like to sleep in, or days where I'm a little less ambitious, but never a day where I hate getting up and looking forward to a day. Promotes ambition for seeking God and knowledge. Some people just really don't want to find knowledge. They don't want to exercise their brain. Uh, it's, it's work. It's, it's drudgery. It's like, I really don't want to apply energy in forcing or trying to intake information or knowledge about these types of things. They're just not interested in it. It's like, bummer. Causes an exhilaration in living. Okay, I'm going to wrap up real quick because we've got to go, but I'm going to read through these. These are things that, that I reflected on. Causes an exhilaration in living. Reveals consequences before they happen. Causes delight in godly things. Holiness, godliness, purity, His Word. Stimulates deeper, richer thought patterns sensitive to spiritual realities. Brings awareness and acknowledgement of Christ. Especially like Christmas time. Man, Christmas time as a kid used to be great because of all the candy and gifts and Christmas trees and all that kind of stuff. Man, now... There's a whole new dimension through the love and appreciation for Jesus the Christ. Illuminates God's divine nature and eternal power in His creation. Romans chapter 1. God has made Himself known through His divine nature and His eternal power that He exhibits in His creation. Man is without excuse for not realizing God. He manifests Himself in nine ways through believers per God's will and benefit of the church, not for yourself. And again, you go back to some of the charismatic movements, some of the fanatical movements. It's all done to construct... A, a feeling or sensation for yourself. It's not necessarily done to benefit the church. That's, that's a dead giveaway. You're not doing it for the right reason. Those nine manifestations are listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. No, that'd be another great study for a family group. The nine manifestations. A lot of people refer to them as spiritual gifts. I think that's a mistake of interpretation. It does talk about spiritual matters. It does talk about spiritual gifts, but in that section it talks about how the Holy Spirit manifests Himself, makes Himself known through those nine ways, awesome ways. Causes you to love, respect, and honor self and others as they are seen through God's eyes. You start looking at people with a different, with a different appreciation as images of God. Another human being is not just an obstacle for you to take advantage of to get your own way and not care about them. You see every individual, I don't care what they look like, what they smell like, you start appreciating, you, st you look into the eyes of a person, it's like, goodness sake, what a blessing. That, that person's valuable. Causes you to realize and accept and acknowledge sovereignty of God over everything. How many people think that they're in control? You're not in control of anything. Everything you've gotten, you've received in some way. Whether it's your learning, you didn't, get it, you didn't go out there and acquire it when you were born. You had to have it administered to you through teachers, through books, through learning. 
Your clothes. Even if you said you made, even if you stitched your clothes before you come in here, where'd you get the thread? I guarantee you didn't make it. You received everything. Why are we so pompous to think that we are deserving and entitled to all these things? It causes you to realize, accept, and acknowledge the sovereignty of God over everything. Builds real faith, resulting in actively receiving and operating the gift of Holy Spirit within our recreated beings. Okay, so I'm going to wrap up. My whole goal here was hopefully to introduce you with some ideas, some concepts, some knowledge that you can dig deeper with. Allow that Holy Spirit to take some of these concepts and dig deeper into the deep things of God. To, to realize Him dwelling in you. To experience the richness of true life above and beyond the carnal life that we have here. Even in the times where we're suffering. And that's the key to, being, to, being, to enduring suffering. Is to realize, hey, I've, I've got a power inside that ex, that's eternal. It extends above and beyond what I'm sensing in the physical. Those types of things. You start getting a hold of them, them type of things. That gives you power. Okay? I hope I've helped you at least start to think about those things and uh, hope Holy Spirit becomes very dominant and, and rich in your life as well as God the Father and Jesus the Christ. So if you want to stand with me, I'll, uh, I'll pray and dismiss. And uh, I'll wake up back there. No. <laughs> wake up, Brittany. I said, just kidding. God, our Father, I thank you so much for this opportunity to uh, represent you before people, to share some of your word and the insights that you've given me and that I appreciate so much and that I love and cherish. And I, I pray that I have, that I have uh, presented these ideals and, and knowledge and information uh, accurately and that it accurately represents you and your truth. And if for some reason I have said something that's an error, block it from people's minds. Um, I, I want to honor you, Je my Lord Jesus Christ, you God the Father. I want to respect uh, you, Holy Spirit, in, in working in my life and, and helping others to achieve that also. Father, I ask that our vision uh, extend above and beyond ourselves or our mates or our agendas or our work that... Uh, above all that, we would see ourselves um, as having a purpose for you in your work of reconciling mankind back to yourself, of rearranging this creation through the administrations, through the way you work with mankind, to realize where we are in that and to participate in that, in that ministry of reconciliation as ambassadors of Christ, to welcome that, um, that word of life into our being so that we can honor and glorify you, sovereign God. Um, may we enjoy this day. May we honor you in everything that we do in it. And we pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.